So we're going to start with 1 Corinthians 11, 29, and 30. And most of these scriptures are out of the New King James. Um, the, a lot of this is out of a book by Joseph Prince, which we sell in the bookstore, called Health and Wholeness Through Holy Communion. Um, it says, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. He goes on to say, For this reason many are weak. Many of you Corinthians are weak, not because of all the sin issues that you have. If you study the Corinthians, they had more miracles, more gifts of the Spirit, more, more of the power of God than any other of the epistles' churches that he wrote letters to. But it says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That word sleep in the Greek language means die. Many, he said, many of you are dying early for this reason. So uh, two verses earlier in that, verse 27, whoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. The, un, the word unworthy in these scriptures is an adverb, which means it modifies the verb. In case of unworthily, describes the action of eating and drinking. It's not describing the person. It's not talking about the person taking communion. It's talking about the action of actually eating and drinking. So Paul was not saying, if you're an unworthy person, don't take communion. In, in any case, who is actually worthy? It's only Jesus' death that qualifies us to take it. Paul was not saying we should not take communion if we are unworthy. You, you know, in the denominations, a lot of people, oh, I shouldn't do that. Even in uh, just the old school Church of God church we grew up in before my parents started their church that was a, started this church, it was a, it was a, I can remember feeling like that. He was saying that we should not take communion in an unworthy manner. And if you fail to discern or understand the significance of the Lord's body, he said unworthily not discerning the Lord's body. Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body in the original King James. It was broken for you. Take, eat, this is my body. It was broken for you. As often as you do this, remember me. He said, remember me. The Corinthians partook unworthily because they didn't recognize that the broken body of Jesus was meant to bring them health and wholeness. And by treating communion as a tradition, a ritual, they missed out on the blessings of God. They didn't understand the significance of the bread. They didn't know why they were taking communion. This is what it means to partake unworthily. You know, it's interesting. There's a chapter and a half on this subject in the Bible. <laughs> okay, you've got a book on law and grace in Galatians. But outside of that, you've got a chapter on the gifts of the Spirit, a chapter and a chapter on communion. There's not a chapter, a chapter and a half on a communion. There are very few subjects where there is a whole chapter dedicated to one subject. And so 
the manner in which you, would, you, part, you take communion will determine whether you experience the benefits of communion. And there are benefits that people aren't aware of. If your attitude is just a piece of bread, here we go again, then that's what it'll be. And you rob yourself of the life-giving effects. Five verses earlier from what we just read, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty through 22, he's, this is what he's saying to the Corinthians. This is what he's talking about, unworthy. This is what they were doing. Therefore, when you come together in one place in church, this is what he's saying, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating each one takes his own supper ahead of the other. Back then they had loaves of bread at the altar. And one is hungry and another is drunk. They were, they were using the loaves of bread. They were running to the altar, grabbing loaves of bread, using them for dinner, and they were drinking extra cups of wine and catching a buzz for church. And he was correcting them. He was correcting the manner, the unworthy manner in which they were taking communion. He's like, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? So Paul was not saying that you have sin in your life, you cannot take communion. He was telling you to partake in the correct manner, which is to recognize the Lord's broken body, and it was broken that so yours can be made whole. He's like, you guys, don't take communion because you're hungry. Eat at home first. So when Paul told the Corinthians to do, what to do was discern the power of the Lord's broken body. He was teaching us that if you fail to discern it in communion, then you shouldn't even take it. Because you're not claiming by faith what Jesus has done for you, and by failing to do so, you're making his work on the cross ineffective and powerless as far as you're concerned. When you fail to discern his broken body, and we're gonna talk about that in the end, how you do it, you're actually despising his work on the cross. Vine's expository dictionary has this to say about partaking unworthily. They get it. Unworthily, anaxios, the Greek word. Partaking of the Lord's supper unworthily, i.e. treating it as a common meal. Well, here we go again, communion. The bread and the cup as common things, not apprehending their symbolic import. Jesus wants us to take the bread and believe that his body was broken so that yours can be made well. And when you discern it that way, you're partaking worthily. Let's talk about examining yourself. And this is my opinion, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving scriptures here. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven and 28. You're going to get this a lot. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. It's clear Paul is saying a man should examine himself to see if he's eating and drinking Worthily, is it a ritual? Is it your dinner? Are you drinking it to catch a buzz, Corinthians? So as not to eat and eat, drink judgment to yourself. So it's simple, but preachers for, for so long have made Christians fearful or sin conscious. That's what he, that, the devil would love for you when you're taking communion to be looking at yourself and all your problems and all the things you need to correct. That's, that's what he wants. When you're supposed to be looking, Jesus, 
take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then he says, remember me, is what he says. Remember me. If you look in this chapter and a half about communion, you will not see the word sin. The word sin is not in this chapter and a half. Let's look at the word judgment. We've looked at the word examining yourself, unworthily, judgment means to drink, what it means to drink judgment to yourself. Judgment in verse 29 does not mean God's anger or wrath. The Greek word here used is krema. It's, it's the same Greek word really out of, as the Hebrew word that was used when Adam sinned against God and a divine sentence fell on the human race. Weakness, sickness, and death are part of that divine sentence. Adam was supposed to live forever. As long as we're here on earth, our bodies are subject to the aging process, which is part of the divine sentence. All our bodies are decaying every day. We lose brain cells every day. I believe, and this is out there, online, this is out there. Don't tune out yet. I believe the Holy Communion is God's solution for us to offset that decay. But you have to believe it. You have to know it. Holy communion is how God helps us offset the process of aging and walk in divine health. Every time you take it, you're reversing the effects of the curse from the garden or the divine judgment in your body. But do you even know that? You have to know that. There is power in the act of eating the bread. In the midst of intense and spiritual attack, you can experience victory when you believe what Jesus did on the cross is greater than any attack by the devil. And once you realize how much Jesus suffered so that your body can be made whole, you'll be confident that taking communion, partaking of his broken body, will bring healing to your body. You don't even need faith to do it. You don't even need faith to do it. You know, like, you know, when you pray, it's like, you know, it's focus, you know, whatever. No, you just do it. Just do it. You just do it and make sure that you discern his broken body and we'll go over that. His, Adam's sin was what brought disease and untimely death. So God in his mercy and wisdom devised a perfect solution. Since the simple act of eating by Adam brought disease and death, he ordained a simple act of a crumb, eating, eating a crumb of bread to reverse the effects to renew your youth, to renew your youth. It's the only reason I still have my hair because it does not run in my family. The Bible says that Jesus went about, yeah, I'm serious, but I, I know of people that have taken it and it has grown back. Do you understand? The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with them. Jesus didn't walk, he healed all. Jesus didn't walk on water all the time. He didn't calm storms every day, but he healed all the time. If it's God's nature to heal, have you wondered why so many Christians are sick and dying early death? I'm not referring to minor ailments, colds. I'm referring to serious life-threatening illness. You might be surprised to know that in the New Testament, 
It gives only one reason to Christians why they are weak, why they are sick, and why they die prematurely. There's only one time in the New Testament it mentions this. Here it is, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. For he who drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30, for this reason, many of you Christians, Corinthians, are weak and sick and many die early. For this reason, sleep means death. Do you see that word sleep? The New Testament was written in the Greek language. What's the reason? Not discerning the Lord's body. It means they did not know why they were partaking of the body when they took communion, why they were eating the bread. They had no idea why they were eating the bread. This was the reason they weren't receiving divine life, causing them to be weak and sick and die early. Since truth is parallel, it means that if you do discern the Lord's body, you walk in health and wholeness. If you don't discern the Lord's body, it's a problem. You wind up weak and sick and die young. What happens if you discern it? It's healing. It's healing. Not discerning the Lord's body for this reason, this reason. It must be that when we do discern the Lord's body, we're strong and healthy. And God has ordained Holy Communion as a key channel, not the only channel, but a key channel of health and wholeness. There's many channels to a river. The early church believed this, Acts 2.42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread. That does not mean they sat down and ate dinner. If you study it out, they took communion and in prayers. They majored on the majors. They made a big deal out of those things that God made a big deal out of. Jesus did it. Paul did it. They took him at his word. And then the very next verse, Acts 2.43, many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Although the body of Christ understands the importance of fellowship and prayer, few in the church truly understand the significance of communion. And that is why many Christians are weak and sick and dying before their time, according to the New Testament. Down through history, powerful doctrines, justification of faith, just faith. There's power in your words. Whosoever shall say it unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. That was under attack in the 70s. Oh, you can't speak that. You can't remove your mountain, right? Do you remember that? Called them the name it and claim it people. Justification of faith. This is what's happened to Holy Communion. The devil's pushed the church to two erroneous and extreme interpretations. One side are the believers of transubstantiation. They believe that the actual bread turns into his flesh and the, and the, and the grape juice or the wine turns into his blood. The other one is it's just a tradition. I believe that God wants to restore the true meaning and power of the Holy Communion so the church, that, that his people will rightly discern the body when they take communion, the body of Jesus. Notice Paul said that it was not a failure to discern the blood, but a failure to discern the body. That caused people, that caused people to be weak and sick and die young. 
1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Why? Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. And you don't need a priest to do this. You can do this every day on your own. Do you really think that little communion thing you're holding right now, that bread was the exact type of recipe of bread that Jesus was feeding them? You can take communion with Mountain Dew and chicken in a biscuit if you understand why you're taking it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 26, and when he had given thanks. The, now, if you read, look at this. This is, the, this is in red in your Bible. This is in red. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant. We lose sight of that. In my blood. What's the new covenant? The forgiveness of sins. This do as often, often as you drink it. Often. That means you should take it often. Not 12 times a year. Not just once a month at Living Word. Often. As you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. There are two elements because there's a twofold application in communion. The wine, which is the blood, is for our forgiveness. The bread, which is his body, is for our healing. How do we know the, the, the grape juice, which signifies his blood? Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to those riches of grace. When you, when you drink the grape juice, know that you are forgiven, and through that forgiveness, past, present, and future sins, you have been made righteous. You have a gift of righteousness that God has given you. The blood of Jesus has given you right standing before God so that you can come boldly into his presence. Mark 7, 26 and 27, the woman was a Greek Syrophoenician by birth. She kept asking to cast the demon out of her daughter, asking Jesus. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. The translation for that is more of a, it's little puppies. It's, it's more of a, um, it's, not a, it's not a slight to the woman. You know, it's more of, you would call it a, a, a saying of, I don't know the word I'm looking for. <sighs> Give it to me, Lord. He, he's, he's saying it to almost reach out to her. Little puppy, you know, like a cute little puppy. If you look at that translation, children's bread. He didn't say, he didn't say, he didn't call it healing. He didn't call it healing. He said, he said to her, let the children be filled first. It's not good to take healing and throw it to the little puppies. No, he called it children's bread. Are you a child of God? Mark 7, 28, she answered and said, yes, Lord. Even the little puppies under the table eat from the children's crumbs. You can say she was asking for demonic relief and not healing, Jim. Acts 10, 38 says Jesus went about doing good in healing all, healing all that were oppressed 
by the devil. What does that say? Notice disease is due to the devil's oppression. Thus disease and demon possession are both results of oppression by the devil. And we need God's healing for these things. From this incident, it becomes clear that Jesus sees healing as children's bread. Do you consider yourself a child of God? The woman put her faith in a little crumb. That act released power to drive the devil out of her daughter. So the bread, even a small crumb, which represents his body, is for our healing since we are God's children and fully entitled to that bread. Matthew 26, 26, take, eat, this is my body, he said to the disciples. The disciples didn't need any explanation like the one I just gave. They knew he wanted to impart them to them his life, health, and wholeness. These men were with him every day and not one time did they see him sick. Not once did they see him come down with the flu, a fever, a stomachache, bronchitis, strep throat. He never had to say to them, can one of you preach the Sermon of the Mount? I'm not feeling so well. It's never recorded that he was sick. More than that, he was vibrant and full of life. When those who were without hands and feet were brought to him, they were made whole. His body was so filled with life that even his clothes were soaked with health. The woman with the issue of blood touched the bottom of his tallit and was completely healed. After 18 years, 66618, she had spent all her money and suffered many things from many physicians. And what was the result? Just real quick, have you guys ever noticed how they're putting that thermometer on your head really quick now? Mm. Mm. Do you think you're being prepared for something? You think they're, you think you're, you don't think they're going to come up with a chip? Says it, so, so you got all America walking around with thermometers, getting thermometers. Okay, that's not the, that's not, we're not on the end times here. She was no better. This woman, it is preparation. There was no need for him to tell the disciples that when he said, take, eat, this is my body, that he was imparting his life, health, and wholeness to their bodies. I believe they knew better than anyone else that taking the bread meant ingesting his health into their mortal bodies. You know, the matzah, the flat bread eaten during Passover is a good object lesson of what Jesus' body symbolizes. The Jewish oral laws gave instructions on the preparation of the bread. These instructions should be of really great interest to us. According to these laws, that bread in the Passover was to be unleavened, baked, pierced with holes, and striped. Till, till today, the Jewish rabbis who don't, they don't believe the New Testament, don't know why, the bread has to be prepared that way. His side was pierced. He bore those merciless stripes on his back so your body can be made whole. The very first shadow or type of communion back in Exodus, what a coincidence, that bread was pierced, striped. 
So when you come to take communion, make sure you discern his body. When you take it, believe Jesus took the bread and broke it because his body was going to be broken. As you partake of his broken body, know that his body was broken so yours can be made whole. When you partake of this spirit of faith, in a spirit of faith, something happens and it's over time. You know, I did that the last time I did this message was 2010. And within six months, we had numerous, numerous testimonies. A, a many, many, a lot of them elderly people with elderly ailments that over a six month time period were completely healed. And they emailed in. Matthew 8, 17. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the, Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Infirmities means bodily weakness. He took your bodily weakness. So you, you can see very clearly Isaiah was saying that the Messiah would take upon his own body your bodily weaknesses, sicknesses, and, and pain. In other words, Jesus didn't just bear our sins on the cross he became sick with everything you could become, possibly come sick with. It's one of the reasons I believe he was so distorted looking. This is why some old hymn writers call it the double cure, not just the stripes, but the cross. He took care of your healing. The Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament. Jesus is the true, perfect, unblemished holy lamb of God, but Exodus 12, and the, the Passover is a type of the Lord's Supper. It's a shadow. There's many types and shadows in the Old Testament that are revealed in the new. Exodus 12, 13, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. I hope the blood's on your house today. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you or destroy you. Exodus 12, 8. And they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread. There's that bread. And with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. That was a lamb they ate. The flesh of a lamb, they ate the roasted lamb and the unleavened bread. This was to give them strength for the journey, for the exodus out of Egypt. It was not natural strength they received. It was supernatural because it says in Psalm 105, 7, 37, that two and a half million Israelites, that that one of them walked out of there feeble. You had 85-year-old men chasing their wives out of there. Not one of them walked out feeble. So if the body is, it, 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 of a shadow lamb could bring such supernatural results, how much more the body of the true substance lamb of Jesus Christ himself. Take, eat, this is my body. I, I was doing the math last night, actually, and I wasn't focusing on praise and worship, and I was doing some math. The last three years that I've coached girls basketball, I resumed that this year. We started doing this. We did it 55 practices. We didn't even do it on game days. We did it 55 practices. Okay? If you add up all the practices and all the games of all those girls, 
7,000 hours of basketball. 7,000 hours of basketball. Not one sprained ankle, not one busted finger, not one broken wrist, not even a rib out of place. We had one girl miss two games for the flu this year. You've got what we're talking about in some practices. You've got 10 out of 7,000 hours. That's the percentages there. That's mind-blowing. Let's, if you run that, because I know, you see flu hit a whole team. You see two, three ankles at a time, at least one. No team gets through without one sprained ankle. My son, for four years, took communion every day in high school, played over 300 basketball games, never missed a game or practice for sickness. 300 basketball games through the summer and the winter. As you partake, you get better over time. The more you partake, the better you get. This is a testimony, Joseph Prince personally, out of his book, Health and Wholeness Through Holy Communion. Years ago, I had a skin condition that troubled me. I went to the doctor. He said it could be cured, but the medicine would have side effects. I said, thank you very much. God's healing is much better. There are no side effects. So I partook of the Lord's Supper and claimed by faith the full benefits of his broken body. Yet nothing seemed to happen at first. It takes time. You have to give it time. You should all be doing it once a day. It takes one to two minutes. He said, after some time I stopped bringing this matter before God, but I continued taking communion daily. Then one day I realized I was just totally healed. I cannot tell when exactly that condition left, but I know that as I continued to take communion, I just simply got better. The drama was not there. It was not spectacular, but it was supernatural. I mean, both of my kids being in sports all through high school, we took it as a family every morning three times a week. I take, I try, my goal is 365 days a year. I'm currently nine days behind. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26, the words of Jesus. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, often, you do it often. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. A lot of people don't know this. Who do you proclaim the Lord's death to? Who do you have to proclaim the Lord's death to? Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, those are demons. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. So when you remember Jesus' death, you're proclaiming to the principalities and the powers they've been disarmed because he's already triumphed over them. What am I talking about? Well, I stay in hotel rooms all over the world. Some weird ones, some cheap ones. I moved out of one, uh, a $68 a night one in Nashville. (laughs) That wasn't because of spirits. But I'm saying I go into any hotel room, I take communion, and I don't even, I am focused on whatever has gone in there before, on in there, you know? And I just walk around, I take communion, I say, Jesus lives. Jesus lives in this room. Jesus lives in this room. Um, Up north, where we hunt, there's a shack 
And the man they bought it from, his son hung himself in the basement in the 19, late 1950s. Then, then 10 years later, his wife fell down the stairs and broke her neck, killed herself, died. Spirits congregate where things like this happen. And there was definitely a weirdness to this place. My brother is sleeping there one night. Uh, a chandelier fell down off the ceiling, just right in the middle of the night, landed right on top of him, cut his leg open. I mean, there was something about that house. You know what? It all stopped the minute he took communion in that place. Walked around and said, Jesus lives. I'm proclaiming the death of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and his resurrection. I'm proclaiming his resurrection. I mean, I think they're staying in there next weekend. But are you even aware of this? You don't need a pastor to partake or, or, or a minister. First, first Peter 2.9, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are a priest. God looks at you as a priest. Once you're a believer, you're a priest. I'm not saying that you have to partake every day, but if you're sick, I re recommend you take it daily. I know of people so radical, they take it like medicine three times a day. And you know what? They get radical results. If you trust in God and his son's perfect work at Calvary extremely, you will be extremely blessed. So partake because the Holy Communion is God's, one of his channels of health and wholeness. Something that is not in this book, but I'm sure it's, he's got another one on communion. This is how big a deal is, this is around the world. I mean, there's a guy in Indonesia, that's all he does. They show up, they have a 15 minute worship, he preaches 10 minutes, and his whole church takes communion every service. So he's got like a congregation of 50,000 people. And in his new book on Holy Communion, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, I'm sure he has this in there, the cup of blessing of the wine at the Lord's Supper upon which we ask God's blessing. Does it not mean that in drinking it we participate and share a fellowship, a communion in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break. So it's talking about communion, correct? Still? This is a chapter earlier now from what we are reading. Well, three verses earlier in context. No temptation, no trial, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has not overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience and such as a man can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature, and he can be trusted not to let you be tempted, tried, or go through a trial or assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, he always provides a way out. The Amplified calls it a way of escape. Do you need escape from something? This is in context. This is in the communion chapter, it's talking. Is it the only way of escape? No. It is a way of escape. So think about that. Health, wholeness, youth renewed, 
receiving the gift of righteousness. Use it as a time for the forgiveness of sins. That's the only way you're righteous. Your sins have been forgiven. It vanquishes spirits. You're proclaiming his death. And it provides a way of escape from temptation and trials. This is something the church needs to know, especially in this day and time. We're wearing masks and getting our temperature taken. While trying to do a girls' basketball camp, I gotta get my temperature taken. Isaiah 52, 14. Let's talk about discerning his body as we close. For many, the servant of God became an object of horror. He was an object of horror. These are people that saw crucifixion all the time. They they looked up and saw these people hanging on crosses all the time. Many were astonished at him. His face, his whole appearance were marred more than any man's. I believe the Bible. I believe he was marred more than any man's been marred ever and still living, still living up there. That's why he died in six hours. Usually they lived longer. He was marred more than any man. His form beyond that of the sons of man. Unrecognizable. And they were astonished at him. Psalm 29.3, the plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. When I take communion, I, I sometimes try to feel like what that would feel like, discerning his body. What did it feel like? The nails. You know, they put his feet together. They bent his knees a little, and they flattened his feet out on the cross, put the nails through his feet, flipped it over, and nailed the nails, bent the nails in the back of the cross. Psalm twenty-two, thirteen, 13. Or we'll say 14. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint when they drop the cross into the hole. Many scholars believe it it takes your bones out of joint, pulls your shoulders out of joint, your elbows out of joint because you're all stretched out. My heart is like wax. It is softened with anguish, took your anguish. The Bible says he took your distresses, which means stress. But we don't use them like that as a stress reliever. My strength is dried up like a fragment of clay. My my tongue cleaves to my jaws. Verse 16, for like a pack of dogs, they have encompassed me. A company of of evildoers has encircled me. They pierced my hands and feet. This is hundreds of years before this happened. I count all my bones through that scourging whip which was laced with glass, animal bones, metal. It wasn't just something that whipped, but it ripped. And many times they, they say that it, they could see their bones. It says, I can count all my bones. They part my clothing among them and cast lots. Isn't this time about Jesus? Isaiah 53, 10. It was the will of of the Lord to bruise him. That does not mean bruise. That means beat to pieces. Beat to pieces. He has put him to grief 
and made him sick. An offering for sin. Sometimes I, I go the other direction. I see him in his health. You know, I'll, when I take communion, I just get a picture of him. I get a picture of him. Um, uh, just coming at me. I see that, that, that he still has the holes in his hands, according to the Bible. But he just gives me a big hug and his perfect health. Or I see him in the resurrection. You know, if he's not raised, you're not righteous. And if you ever see those graves, I, I mean, I believe it's very accurate, the things that you see. And if that's not the grave, it's very close to where he was buried. But it's only about, the hole is only about, like, you know, that big into the grave. And a circular rock, they roll. It's got to be hundreds of pounds out of, from the front. And he had, I, sometimes I see him stepping out of there after he was raised in his perfection. Sometimes I, a great, a great way to do it, and, and, and it's probably not completely accurate, is watch, watch when he gets scourged in the Passion, in the movie The Passion. Watch it. You know, they say, oh, 39 stripes. That's Jewish law. The Romans did it. And I believe the Passion, that movie The Passion was accurate when they flipped him over and got him from the front after they were done with his back. But I'm saying, this is what we're talking about in discerning his body, as we discerning his broken body as we take communion. So can we just, uh, you guys want to take communion? Um, and so we're going to just, I think you have everything with you, right? And so... You know, I just want you to be able to focus. You can stand if you want to stand. But the Bible says that you don't have, it doesn't say you have to stand. Just make sure you're at a place where you can focus, relax. Receive his health and his wholeness. Thank you, Father. We receive it, God. We receive complete, extreme health and wholeness through holy communion. In our bones, joints, muscles, ligaments, tendons, hearts, veins, arteries, lungs, organs, blood and blood flow throughout every piece and part of our bodies, glands, nerves, nervous systems, creation and sustenance of our red and white blood cells, blood platelet counts, respiratory systems, digestive systems, plumbing systems, cardiovascular systems, hair, hair follicles, skin, skin cells, every piece and part of our bodies. We receive our youth being renewed as eagles. Extreme health and wholeness. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which was broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup. This cup is a new covenant cut in my blood. Often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Thank you for the righteousness of God and Jesus Christ. And we receive that gift right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.